Welcome back to Nervous Rex, a Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast that... This week we are 50% God and 50% Zella and 100% Shin, I think. That's a joke. I I'm, think, a little bit. I'm all shit. <laughs> uh, my name is Joe. I use uh, he and they pronouns. I am joined as always by Chris. I use he, him pronouns. I'm joined by Wheels. Hey, I'm Wheels. I use they and them pronouns. Wheels oh, also. And I'm joined by Jory. I guess is that is that how I should do it? Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm a guest. I don't know what to do. Fuck. I'm Jory. Use he they, and I'm joined by my dog who's sleeping on my bed right now. Oh, that's hell cute. yeah. My cats are locked out of the room. <laughs> this is the podcast zone. Um, this is also the Godzilla zone, which is what my room has been for the past week or so. I have watched so many goddamn Godzilla movies lately. <laughs> if your Godzilla movie watching session lasts for more than six hours, please consult the doctor. <laughs> Although Jay, you did should. just create, you did just create the title of the Godzilla movie that I am next going to see in theaters immediately. Goddamn Godzilla! <laughs> <laughs> or God bless Godzilla would be a that's, good title. That's, that's, too. that's the positive spin sequel. Like you do the dark uh, yeah. one first, and then you like redeem everyone. Yeah, yeah. That that's the American cut that removes all the text <laughs> of nuclear war. <laughs> and then the threequel is, of course, Pod Save Godzilla. Ugh, <laughs> 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 uh, it's unfortunate that Raymond Burr is no longer with us. He could have come back for that one as well. That's one of the movies I watched, which is the U.S. cut, in which they just add Raymond Burr reacting to things <laughs> and being uh, translated to. Uh, it's I'm just picturing, insane. I'm just picturing like Godzilla sitting down at a table with headphones on, and across him, Mark Maron's like, "So who are you guys? Yeah, who are your gods? <laughs> who are your gods?" All right. Well, we're of course here to talk about Shin Godzilla, the most recent film from Hideki Anno, a guy that we have been talking about for a little over a year now. It's uh good. Uh, I don't know exactly where to start because I am interested in both initial thoughts and also where everyone is at with Godzilla as a character in franchise before watching this film. Jory, I kind of want to start with you because I know that this is you, you have seen few Godzilla movies. I, I've I've seen bits and pieces of uh, Ferris Bueller versus Godzilla. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then... I, I saw Godzilla 2014 in theaters, and that was one of the first times I saw a movie, and then left and went, I shouldn't have done that. And then uh, I, I got to see Shin Godzilla in theaters when it was out. Uh, surprisingly, yeah. they had showings here in South Dakota, and I uh, made my girlfriend at the time sit through subtitles so I, I could see it in theaters. I hope that went okay. <laughs> uh, she thinks the, uh, the first evolution of Godzilla is really cute. So it's a that. funky little man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so was, was Godzilla like, I, I feel like all of us are probably the age where it's just kind of been like, oh yeah, Godzilla's just been around. He just has existed. Yeah, yeah th I think my biggest interaction would simply, would just be like, probably there was a Godzilla on a mystery science theater at one point. I probably uh -huh. saw that. Uh, and I think my parents had a VHS of one or the other of a, you know, Godzilla fighting some other thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I grew up with a couple of VHS tapes in the house. I know I've seen, the thing is, I think they were Heisei era. Now that I've seen more as an adult and I'm just like, 
Oh yeah, I think that rings more familiar than like mm-hmm. the, the Showa era suit or whatever. Um, but I know I saw like 1998, uh, the Roland Emmerich New York one as a kid. I remembered nothing from it. I did unfortunately rewatch it for the, for context of this podcast. But yeah, I, Godzilla's always been just cool. And then yeah. I saw 2014 in theaters. I remember liking it at the time. Now I don't. And I remember being excited for Shin Godzilla because when it was announced, I was a fan of Evangelion. And I was like, yeah, I want to see Anno do that. And it took me a long time to get around to seeing it. And that's to say, I think I saw it after we started this podcast. So is this your is this your second viewing? Yes, yes it is. How does it hold how does the second view, viewing hold up compared to a f- Uh I like it more I think I knew like this movie throws a lot of information at you every second. Um yeah. no knowing that, I think it was a little easier to follow. Um and also just having watched more Godzilla's and more live action Ono movies. Yeah. I found myself sinking in yeah a lot more than I had the first time. And it rules. I like it a lot. Uh, uh yeah Chris, you who, asked me about who, who, my who are your zillas <laughs> the uh the first time i met godzilla it was as a cool action figure <laughs> at my cousin's house um hell yeah <laughs> oh for sure that would have been mine yeah been mine too yeah but i i would never i was never like a godzilla kid like you know how there are like godzilla kids i i wasn't one of them but mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. But, you know that toy was dope and then fast forward like 2014 I, uh, I got roped in with some wrestler friends to just go see it in, uh, I almost said to see it at the theater in Blu-ray, but I met IMAX. Um, <laughs> which which one? Which one? 2014. Okay. I also like the idea that that, that that town didn't have a movie theater. It just had some dude's house that was set up like a movie theater because he's the only dude who had a Blu-ray. <laughs> well, didn't you work at a movie theater? Isn't that how it works? They just pop in the like, bonus features uh-huh. disc and like let it play. Yeah. I did work at an indie movie theater, and it's like two notches about that. <laughs> Actually, he only had DVD, but his name was Ray, and he would always wear blue shirts. <laughs> he, he used to be in the Blue Man group. <laughs> Just a really big fan of uh, oh, big, big Fat Liar. I almost said Liar Liar, which is a different movie. Yeah, no, you got uh, the right My one. Big Fat Greek Wedding is, I think, what you're thinking of. Box anyway, Shin Success. Shin Godzilla. My mom loves that movie. I, I thought this movie was all right. I thought this movie was good. Oh, I wasn't done with my Godzilla history, but I'll quickly wrap it up so we can get oh, to yeah, the sorry. topic Go again. Ahead. I, 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 as far as just like a, a, a way to see a big dinosaur on screen, uh, Godzilla 2014 was cool. The story did nothing for me, but like it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was a cool thing on, on screen. And then uh, in film school, I watched the original and I liked it a lot. There you go. Now we're ready. Yeah. Um. I... While in in the process of making this podcast, I decided to expand my Godzilla knowledge. I've been like, yeah, I was a fan as a kid. I really like this Anno movie, and we're gonna talk about it. So I'll, I'll add to my my knowledge set. So I bought the Criterion set of the Showa era, like first fifteen Godzilla movies, and uh, yeah, the first one is incredible, and they very quickly become silly wrestling movies. Like, it is, it is like, a, I think, less than a year that Godzilla goes from, like, a metaphor for nuclear warfare to fighting a dinosaur. <laughs> with, like, no subtext. <laughs> um, which is one of the things that fascinates me about him is just, like, after 60 years, how he has been, like, removed from context or used in different ways or how different reboots have made it about different things what happens when like a metaphor metastasizes and becomes its own yeah. thing outside of what it was a metaphor for well yeah well that's the thing it's like if if you're going into a godzilla movie with the weight of like yes he is a metaphor for 
you know, the consequences of nuclear warfare, particularly in, in 1954 when the first one came out, like, it is U.S. testing and it's a movie about, like, Japanese trauma post-war specifically. But then when he starts fighting things, you're like, okay, so is it a necessary evil now? We're relying on nuclear warfare against... Yeah, he's definitely good in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean this one is in the movie we're talking about, but I mean in yeah, well that's whole the, the wrestling style ones you're yes. talking about. I seem to remember Godzilla being framed as a heroic thing. Yeah, it, very, pretty quickly he turns into like a weird anti-hero where it's like, yeah, he fights off uh, Ghidorah, who's an alien from space, and it's like, well, did we forget why we made Godzilla? <laughs> And I, I find the Showa era interesting because uh, Ishiro Honda is directing a lot of those. So, like, he is, like, making those choices despite doing the first one as well. Um, and just a matter of, like, yeah, I mean, uh, everyone... It's just this now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, that's the thing. It's, like, well, it's people like Godzilla. They want to see him yeah. do stuff. Yeah, I have an idea about that. Because, like, it's not that, like, I mean, because Godzilla, even in that first one, if I remember correctly, it's been a few years, but, like, by the end of that thing, like, the viewer feels pretty sympathetic towards poor Godzilla. You know, like, he was, yeah. like, you know, messed up by all the, the nuclear situation, and he was just trying to, like, be an animal that was life. So, like, I think that, like, it's not that, like, yeah. he, like nuclear weaponry becomes the hero so much as, like, the consequences of that then spin out into a more positive fashion where, like, okay, yeah. well, like, that's still a shitty thing that happened, but look, now Godzilla's our friend. It's, like, yeah, so it's, like, it's, not it's quite, like he like, is... He is a victim who is eventually redeemed. Kind exactly. Of. Like, yeah. So I don't know. I, I guess I like kind of get it. But it also like, like you you're kinda, right. That you have to live in the reality that created Godzilla because you're in the reality that created Godzilla. Yeah. Exactly. You have to work within those parameters. Right. That yeah. makes sense. And, and that's the thing. Like, it is a, a flexible metaphor to begin with. But I think like some movies are just better at doing that than others. Uh, so like one of the things I did for this was like I kind of wanted to see every time they attempted to reboot Godzilla, which has only happened a few times. But, like, in 1984, they did Return of Godzilla, which is just a direct sequel to the first one, which is interesting that they did that. They were just like, oh, we're going to keep the first one and just pretend that 30 years there was no Godzilla and make this movie. Oh, I love, I love a, like, an enduring franchise and looking at what the first sequel is, like... Which, uh, is it, Hall I'm not a big horror movie buff, but is it the Halloween movies where, like, the second <laughs> one is, like, nothing like the first? So, uh, it's the third Season one? of the Witch or whatever? Season of the Witch yeah. is the third one, but Halloween is a good comparison because Halloween, uh, rebooted with H2O, which was the 20th anniversary of Halloween, where it ignored all the previous ones, mm -hmm. and then the most recent Halloween ignored all the previous ones again. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is, it is... A very similar thing to what Godzilla had done over its uh, past several years. So in Return of Godzilla, they they try and return to that more serious tone again because the Showa era gets very silly uh, by the end of its run. Uh, but in, in 1984, they're doing like, okay, so this is like kind of a Cold War movie. It's like this is kind of like uh, Japan is kind of caught between tensions of uh america and, and soviet russia decisions of what to do with godzilla which um i think is a little bit similar to shin godzilla how it handles other countries being like hey should should we do it and then japan being like no this is us and then in 1998 they you know there's the u.s one which is 
bad. And it's just like, what if we mutated an iguana and he was very small <laughs> um, and had a bunch of babies in Madison Square Garden? You know, I'm sold. <laughs> it's uh, a very strange movie. And it's like, it's very like post Jurassic Park and, and post Independence Day. Just like, yeah, blockbuster, a bunch of shit blows up and it's kind of like trying to always be funny. And I don't, I don't care for it very much. Also, the CGI looks like shit. Uh, but then, so immediately after Toho is rebooting their own shit with Godzilla 2000, the Millennium, uh, which is like, I, I would describe as like Y2K anxieties throughout that movie. And then Godzilla shows up and defeats the, the alien that was trying to hack everyone's computers. I don't really understand what the point of that movie was, but it's fun. But... Yeah, so, like, the Showa era has a general continuity. The Heisei era is an actual series with continuity from beginning to end. And then the Millennium era is just, like, all standalone. Like, they didn't even... There's only two movies that are directly a sequel out of, like, the four of them. And, um, does anyone... I don't... I have a story I want to tell about, um, how much Toho doesn't like the American Godzilla movie from 1998. Does anyone know what they did after that movie? I feel like I'm in my classroom right now, and, like, Joe is, like, calling on us, and nobody knows. Yeah, we did I, not I, I do the reading. I, I, I think I know. I, I just I, I've heard, heard this it story before, enough. but I can't. I haven't heard it recently, but I know what you're talking I about. I probably told it to you recently. <laughs> but the, I, Should I just go into Sunday school mode and be like, uh, Jesus, uh, Moses, Bible? <laughs> no, it's just very funny. I didn't know if someone had heard it. But basically, Toho reclaimed the rights to like that specific design renamed it Zilla so it's like it's not even technically a Godzilla within canon it is just a weird fucked up iguana <laughs> and they put it in the 2004 film Final Wars just to immediately get killed by the real Godzilla <laughs> <laughs> it is one of my favorite things to ever happen <laughs> that's great that's um that's like isn't in the X-Files movie David Coveney pisses on a Independence Day poster <laughs> I hope so <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's, that's what it. that is to me. I've seen <laughs> both. X, did you say you said X Files, right? I've seen yeah. both the X Files movies. I mean, you pro you're probably still right, and I and I just didn't notice. But well, I uh, hope so. I'll defend both of those movies. Actually, but the first one's better than the second. Uh, but yeah, so Godzilla has rebooted itself a couple times, and yeah, it usually. Sometimes it is speaking to the current moment. I love when like that's one of my favorite things about long running comic series. It's just like how different adaptations of things will speak to the moment they're being made and like what are what are people scared of now is it a radioactive spider is it a genetically modified spider i think that the u.s godzilla from 2014 kind of gestures towards nuclear activity and does nothing with it and uh shin godzilla is very in the weeds about uh being about i think nuclear history post-war japan uh current bureaucracy how hard it is to make something happen throughout their government I think it's about Godzilla as an enduring franchise. It's also for sure about the, the 2011 tsunami in yes. Yes. Yeah. Japan and caused that reactor to blow or whatever it was. Yeah, I, I was reading that there were like a couple like recent disasters that Anna was thinking about during this. That, that tsunami is definitely one of them. I've already forgotten mm -hmm. the second. Yeah, there's a lot of like haunting imagery of this movie of just like destroyed Japan. And there's like, Near the end, there's a couple, like, Polaroid photographs. I don't remember what of, but I know it's, like, immediately after someone references uh, bombs being dropped on Japan, which is, like, a third act. Think of that movie. Yeah, they're talking about 
uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and mm-hmm. then it's photos of the aftermath of that. And actually, you know, I, I I'm not a huge disaster movie person. Um, and like, there's a there's an American movie called Zero Hour that is basically two hours of planes taking off. <laughs> well, that's a, uh, that's a... <laughs> with like exciting music behind it. It should be called Two Hours. Then is what it should yeah, be called. Yeah, it should. <laughs> it felt longer. <laughs> There's kind of that element of this movie, too. Of It's it's a lot of, like, you're seeing people mobilize. Um, but there's some sense in which, like, what you're talking about makes sense of why that's happening. Because there's a point, uh, I don't remember exactly how far in, but roughly halfway into the movie, where it really feels like, oh, we lost. Pack <laughs> uh, <laughs> it up. The disaster, ha- like, the disaster happens in this mm-hmm. movie. And like the second half of the movie is basically like, all right, um, well, we, we're we still do it, in it. We do let's, it anyway. Like we're still yeah, here. Let's figure out the logistics of what to do. Yeah. And there, there's a- and that and that like kind of elevated it for me out mm. of a genre that I don't typically go for. I, I've described, I think, on the podcast before, this is kind of a live-action episode of Evangelion, but there's no Ava's, it's just Nerve trying to solve how to get rid of this one angel, um, which is a little bit of a reduction, but I do think it is like kind of a lens when you know Anno's, you know, previous work. I couldn't believe they literally used the music. Yes, yeah, they they straight up use uh, the music that plays when Nerve tries to plan to defeat angels, and they play it when this reaction force is trying to figure out how to how to get rid of Godzilla. Um, I sent Wheels. You're the only person here who wouldn't know that, so I sent you the song ahead of time, and I was like, "Hey, this is why that matters in that movie." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it plays like five times a different. I think it's the same um, composer that Anno's always worked with, uh, Shirasugisu, and uh, they also play a bunch of songs from the old movies, um, which I am a sucker for, and. That's another thing that I think I appreciate more in the second watch is I have now heard those songs hundreds of times <laughs> uh, watching uh, the older movies. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a line in the back third where uh, the lead, whose name is uh, Rando Yaguchi, uh, Yaguchi is talking to, um, I think, Akasaka. Uh, there's a lot of names in this movie. Uh, but to, yeah, they're talking and they're it's right after um, Japan decides like, shit, I guess we have to let another country just nuke Tokyo and uh, Yaguchi doesn't want to do that and is talking and he has his other plan, but they they describe um, uh, the, the phrases that post-war is like post-war extends forever. And I think that's kind of like a, a statement that you can kind of use to get at what this movie is trying to do. Like, yes, the disaster happens and then they pick up and they keep going anyway. Um, near the end, they, they describe it as like, yeah, Japan has always been scrap and then rebuild. And I feel like, this movie has a lot of characters who just don't stop mobilizing, even when like shit happens. Well, there's like a real, and I and I want to be careful about my word choice here, but there is a real nationalist streak to this flick. Um, in in a way that like I, I don't know enough about Japanese politics. I, I know that there is a lot of there's a heavy conservative influence, at least in the last decade or so in Japan. But beyond that, I know very little about Japanese politics, but from watching this, it does, it, it super is a, a, an argument for Japan's increased ability to make unilateral decisions on a global stage. And mm. like, I don't know what the, um, like what the geopolitical implications of that are. It's like, I don't know what, what the, what the, 
political implication is, uh, mm-hmm. because nationalism has, you know, has the capability to be uh, a, a leftist or a rightist poli- like uh, framework. And so I'm not really sure what's happening here, but it's definitely angling for that because there's all the stuff about like, you know, this idea of Japan finally being able to make decisions for itself after being, you know, forced into being like uh, essentially protected by the U.S. military, being able to make its own, you know, defense decisions. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that kind of depends on what you map onto Godzilla. Like, like, what does that represent sure. for 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 whatever reading of the movie of like, like, should they be able to make their own decisions in the face of this or not? I can I think depends on what Godzilla represents in in the movie. Yeah, it, it definitely, it, to me, it mostly just, especially rewatching it, just felt like there there could be bigger implications from it, but at, at its core, more of just, like, more autonomy from Japan itself, because yeah, it's, like, yeah. within, like, a day or two after it happens, they're already having other nations chime in on what they need to do to take care of the problem, which is, mm-hmm. would especially be frustrating with how much bureaucracy they already have going on (laughs) yeah a lot of this movie is spent like with people repeating the same lines to their superior like figure it's a it's a comedic effect (laughs) it's something i was thinking watching it i was just like nothing happens for a lot of this movie but it's awesome like i'm enjoying that it's like all this stuff they have like dramatic stings behind bureaucracy and i shouldn't be into it because my big complaint with not just like American Godzillas, but just other movies, is that they focus too much on the human beings that are involved, and I just don't care. But in this, I care because it's like, there's these human beings, but they're not acting within, they're acting like for their country more so than like uh, Ford in Godzilla 2014. It feels like he's like, I can't let other people's families get lost because I lost mine. Or, like, Sam Witwicky in Transformers. That's a right. one where, like, Witwicky. I don't give a shit about him. He, uh, why, do, why should I care about his stuff? I want to see the Transformers. And this, I want to see them try and figure out how to take out Godzilla. Yeah. Well, the human portions feel a little almost like an Aaron Sorkin penned. <laughs> Not necessarily in tone, but, like, in the sense that it's, you know, uh, it's very interested in politics and going, walking and talking through hallways. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. It's sort yeah. of like a less it it doesn't intend to be as witty as like an Aaron Sorkin thing is, but it is interested in the same sort of groups of people and the same sort of like fascination with, with like networks of different groups of people working towards similar things. Yeah. yeah. And at times like I got, I got a vibe of like, it's the Aaron Sorkin comparison is interesting. I hadn't thought of that one, but I, I almost got like Dr. Strangelove vibes at times. For and, sure. And yeah, I was going to yeah. talk about what Jory said too, is that like, you know, for me, a lot of these movies, waste time trying to establish what ends up being boring main characters in the early minutes but this movie like avoids that by centering a whole bureaucracy with like a sense of humor and just like hints of a main character and that works way better for me yeah like that's that's what i really like about it's like they give us a main character because you need someone to like be the focus of those things but he's not like magically the one who comes up with everything or he's not the true hero like he's he's basically he's the hero in the in that he's the one who's like, we have to do this thing. Like, I don't, he's I, collaborating I don't know if he's, with everyone. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever on screen alone. <laughs> like, like yeah, once or twice. That's it. Like, and what it, another thing with it is that they don't spend a lot of time, like, if if this was another one, it would be, we'd see scenes of him talking on the phone to, like, family. Whether it's his wife and kids, whether it's parents, something to let him know. 
oh, he has a family that he cares about. That's why he wants to take care of that. It's like, we, we can assume that from a, a major disaster. It's it's much more interesting that we're seeing all that time spent trying to figure this out. And we get those things of how much time they're spending figured out when that one girl's like, you smell bad, change your shirt and take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that scene. There's like, because that, that it, it's interesting because uh, someone's like, I love this team. I love how much is going on. And it's like, uh, and someone else says, yeah, it's it's amazing what happens when you build a team that is all on equal footing. No one's like competing to to mm-hmm. have their way right or their name on something. And then they're like, also, you smell bad. <laughs> Go yeah. shower. And uh, related to that, there's a specific line when they're talking. I believe it's when they're talking to the stand in prime minister when he's talking about the American uh, woman. They're like, yeah, Americans favor like results over age so like they're showing mm-hmm. that like with with that quick statement showing that within their system that they're giving people like seniority for no real reason mm-hmm. well yeah a lot of our are the the stand-in for the u.s government in this movie is a character named uh koyoko who is uh a japanese woman who works for the u.s government her last name is uh patterson and they imply that she is in that position because of like a famous last name like i think it's her dad or something because uh, she's yeah. relatively young, or at least on like the same as the lead, uh, Yaguchi. Yeah, her um, dad's a senator. Feels yeah, yeah. I feel so bad for that actor because she has to because she's playing uh, an um, an American born character, and English is not her first language. And like, yeah. man, she nailed like her performance is amazing mm-hmm. when she's speaking in Japanese, and you can yeah. just and it's like even even if I I feel like even if I were a native japanese speaker didn't speak english i feel like i could still tell that her just physically her performance like you can tell like a lot of that confidence goes away when she yeah is forced to say all these english lines and it's like oh why did you have to write it this way or like yeah because uh, she's great otherwise but yeah she's I, uh, she's probably one of my favorite performances in the movie and i like yeah. a lot of the the key ensemble i uh the thing i really liked about her performance is that like immediately when they they establish that she's american and just how her like even before she states that she has troubles like honorifics and stuff just how casual she fe- she like is acting in front of everyone else yeah like it's just a like a, a nice like little thing to show that she's not within like working with yeah, her vibe is completely different yeah, yeah that, that is like, all in like in the off. physicality of the performance yeah. <laughs> I, I almost feel like part of me was like did Anno intend this to remind me of Masato, or is that just happening? Because <laughs> it did happen. I did feel that way. Uh, but yeah, she's great. I love every scene that she's in um, and how she affects the plot. Um, should we do like a, like a sort of recap of the movie, since we're now just talking about it? I mean, Godzilla shows up. <laughs> uh, instantly. We can all agree that the first form is the most horrifying one, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. Wiggling? Yeah, the funky little yeah. chicken man. Oh, the eyes that are just relentless. It's so and it's big. Fuck- well, there, I remember around the time of the release of this movie, uh, I saw for sale, like, it's one of those, like, crazy expensive uh, figures you can get, but it was, like, a super detailed of this first form Godzilla, a bit, like, God. hunched over with, like, its mm. big bug eyes. Like, uh-huh. yeah. I, seems- I love the look of it. <laughs> yeah, so in this, this is, by the end of the movie, it is the biggest Godzilla ever put on screen by i think 10 or so meters uh and i i think it's fascinating that it grows in real time i don't know if it's like i don't know if it's just like 
trying to make the situation get worse with time to reflect like mutation or radioactive or i i kind of found it interesting just because as a character throughout 60 years godzilla has slowly gotten bigger as society has like hmm. that's like watching uh the 1984 return of godzilla he like they put him back to the original size and when he gets to japan he is no longer taller than everything like now there are buildings double his size um and i find that interesting that godzilla just has to get bigger to stay (laughs) menacing as as what he is designed to to Mm. be on screen and i don't know if that's part of ano's idea of just like yeah he's gonna get bigger and bigger as as long as he's alive um i i think like uh, that that would that makes a lot of sense i was thinking with at least in the beginning um the transformation helps with just like the irritating bureaucracy that they have because Godzilla comes in as creepy baby Godzilla and leaves. Mm -hmm. And then there's some people within the cabinet who are like, it's gone. We don't have to worry about it. Let's get back to other Mm -hmm. stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously that's not just a one-off thing. They need to take care of it. But they're like, all it does is walk into some buildings and leave. We're fine. So like (laughs) next time it comes back, it gets bigger and scarier and it's more like of a problem. Yeah. Regardless of what the intention was there, there definitely is the effect of like the feeling that, the disaster is just getting more and more difficult and Mm -hmm. wow, we can't even address it now. And it's still getting worse. Uh (laughs) It's like, that's kind of what propels the film in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I I, I get the impression that like his eyes are always the same size and he just grows into them. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, he is. There's a lot of scenes of them trying to figure out what to do with them. The, uh, yeah, a lot of like, Every political figure and their assistants are in the same room and uh, everything changing. Anno loves to use different forms of digital filmmaking. So there'll be like a lot of random cuts to like, this one's uh, a phone camera footage. This one's just a shaky cam, like of people reacting in real time. But yeah, then he he walks into the city for a little bit uh, and then decides to stand up, grow some arms. And then, I, yeah, then he takes a nap. <laughs> and then they they try and figure out what to do with him for a long time. Pretty early on, uh, Yaguchi makes this team, and they're I think they they eventually correct. They're like, oh, he's nuclear powered. Um, the scene where the one guy figures that out and like has an episode. I love that scene. It's so good. <laughs> it's really good. Cause, like the, the see, like I like that because it's the uh, no, that's impossible. Why would you say that? J- same with the. Uh... Well, we think if it comes on the land, it'll it'll be crushed beneath its own weight. And then the guy walks <laughs> out in press conference. Yeah. yeah, the viewer already knows he's on land by that point. But yeah, like he's giving that yeah. press conference in a row and like before it's over, someone comes up and says, ah, actually, he is on shore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he. Good scene. Yeah. Yeah. So they. Yeah. Someone suggests that maybe it's nuclear power. And then another it's it's uh, I think the, the one main woman on their team that isn't Koyoka, her name is uh, Haru, uh, Hiromi. But she suggests that character that, is really cool. She's great. Yeah. yeah, I liked her character a lot. <laughs> she suggested maybe it's nuclear power. The one guy whose name I don't remember, even though I want also one of my favorite performances. I just never caught his name because there's so many names in this movie. Well, they kind of even make a joke yes. out of it because everyone has a title and like and, yeah. uh, <laughs> as it goes on to get the, longer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 main character's title by like the climax of the film, and I took a picture of the screen. Thank it God. ends up being. 
cabinet minister of state for special missions, giant unidentified creature, unified response task force, HQ bureau <laughs> chief, and deputy director, Rondo Yaguchi. How yeah. did I not notice that? That sounds like it would have taken up four-fifths of the screen. It does! It does! It did on mine! It does. It's just very fast. I'll send you the picture. It's just, yeah, post that in our, our studio ATEX. Yeah, it's just very fast. Um, but yeah, regularly the movie will like remind you or maybe it's just when it changes, but they're like frequently it will show you someone's name and their title on screen, which uh, Anno loves to put text on screen. There's a scene early on where they're discussing policy. Um, oh, th- yep. That, oh, I lo- that's, that's that sequence so good. is really good. They're discussing yeah. policy and someone's like, well, based on Article 76, we can't attack something if it's living without like going through so many different processes. And then presumably the full text of whatever Article 76 is appears on screen. Mm-hmm. And then someone answers <laughs> with a rebuttal saying, well, if you think about Section 2 of and then whatever they are referencing appears in full text yeah. over the screen. It's really which funny. would be like impossible to subtitle in English because the screen would just yeah. be all text. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I love how, how Anno plays with little flourishes like that. Um, I just, you know, I, I've spent this whole podcast talking about how much I love him as a filmmaker, but uh, all of his tricks are in this movie. It's great. Yeah, uh, this dude fucking loves railroad crossings. Yes, he does. <laughs> Can't get enough. Oh, I I lost it when uh, there's <laughs> one of the things they do near the end. It's, it's you know, it's kind of the thematic climax of, of the film wherein like because the whole thing is like at least in my read it's like the point is is you know how can we create an organizational structure that you know is both one organized but not bureaucratic and also like empowers the sheer most amount of people to want to help like that's that's the point is like how can we get the most amount of people invested and willing to help out and so by the end it's like there's like crane operation companies and like all these like power plants chipping in and you know production lines and then i burst out laughing when it's just like send in the unmanned train bodies (laughs) and then you just cut to all of these trains just hurtling down the track towards guns it's been this it's like built up like all like these crowds of people like helping helping out and then (laughs) Mm -hmm. send in the unmanned train bombs (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's like this movie shows multiple times of military force trying to to beat Godzilla and failing. And then when they actually find something, it's like hobbled together trash. It's like, yeah, we have trains (laughs) and some cranes and like, I guess we can cook up some special juice to put the man to sleep. Like, <laughs> I don't, and it works. Uh, But yeah, like. And uh, they knock their own buildings onto him, which is pretty cool. Yeah, because yeah, by that, by that point, everything's evacuated anyway. Yeah, uh, essentially, like, I I would say a lot of the second act, or, like, middle of the movie is them trying various military things and, uh, and failing. There's, initially, before they do any attack, they, they get, like, they're in position, and they're like, oh, wait, there's, like, civilians nearby, and then, like, four people ask four other people if they can attack any way, and the Prime Minister calls it off, uh, and then he goes- Which, like- the world has made me so cynical. I was legit surprised when the prime minister didn't let them risk shooting the civilians. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I agree. And I think that helps with what it means when later he's like, fuck it, just shoot everything. Because there's, yeah, there's this, um, there's a sense in which like, you know, the, I think it's the last, maybe the last shot of the movie. The last shot of the movie is ridiculous. <laughs> so maybe it's not the last shot of the movie, but it's like the last uh, dialogue of the movie, mm. wherein um, 
our two leads are talking to each other and the American says like, oh, when I'm president, I hope you'll be my, I think you'll make a good Japanese counterpart or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Koyoko and uh, Yaguchi because they both express wanting to be at the top of their particular uh, governments. It, it's kind of an argument not only for Japan's like autonomy, but also like leadership globally because it's that moment, it's moments like that of like the prime minister and, you know, holding off the attack to let the civilians go by where I think it's supposed to be the implication that that is kind of like the the national spirit that that is kind of uh, missing on a global stage because Japan has been been unable to make a lot of uh, high level decisions. So it's like it's I think the implication is that it's like that spirit that is the reason the film is arguing for Japan's increased uh, autonomy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this movie is like interesting in how it is rooting its fictitious stuff in like extremely real like politics and events which i think you know has always been the case or maybe not always but it's true of the original godzilla as well and uh, a couple of the of the various sequels and reboots but like there's there's the tagline of this movie i find interesting uh at least that the one that i'm seeing in front of me is a uh, reality and then in parentheses japan versus fiction and then in parentheses godzilla and there's a scene where they're talking about like uh where Yaguchi's like I want like we should not accept the plan to nuke Tokyo we have like our freezing plan we just need more time and uh the other guy who's working directly with the acting prime minister and is I guess he goes from one scene to the next being like terrified of the truth of the nuking plan to accepting it but he's like this is reality everything else is just a dream um and I think the this this movie is kind of interesting and like how flexible it's letting all of that be like what is reality and what isn't reality in the in the in the movie which i don't know if it's a direct reference to this thing that i'm about to talk about i would be surprised because it's such a ridiculous deep cut but it happens to be one that i came across this past week which is i watched the american cut of the original godzilla movie um which is retitled godzilla king of monsters that came out two years later uh in the u.s it is a very bizarre movie in how it just read. I don't like it. Um, it it <laughs> it re it or it adds. Um, it changes the structure of a lot of events. It reduces a lot of the text and subtext of like America did this. Uh, this is a result of American nuclear testing. Uh, and it inserts the yeah, this white man to have the information translated to him. Um, and it has some uh American dubbing as well. I think the biggest offense of that movie is uh it treating a lot of the Japanese speaking as like uh, I, I heard it referred to as like the parents and peanuts just going womp, womp, womp because like they'll say something and then the actual translation is not that at all. Like, it's just like people just need to know that they're speaking Japanese and then we'll write whatever we want in our own script, uh, which is gross and bad. Um, but yeah. there's a line in that movie that's, I think is great in the uh, original cut. And uh, the translation I think is interesting and telling of, the American point of view versus the original intention. But uh, the the plot of the original Godzilla, uh, the, the third act of that is um, this guy, Serizawa, who makes this oxygen-destroying bomb, essentially, where it's like, yeah, if we get Godzilla underwater and do it, we can kill Godzilla. And, and it's called the Oxygen Destroyer, which like immediately captured my imagination so hard. It's yeah. so, it sounds so <laughs> cool, Oxygen Destroyer. Like, I love it. Even even though that's it, it, it wouldn't take 
oxygen out of water, you just have a lot of hydrogen. Anyways, uh, it <laughs> works perfectly in, in for this point of the movie. And his whole quarrel in the original movie is like, I don't want to share this information or use it ever because no one should have it. Like, this information, like, is too dangerous. It should not exist. And that's why he burns all of his research and also dies in, like, when he uses the bomb on Godzilla, he stays down there and dies himself. So it can never be recreated. Very telling that in the American recut, uh, they change that line to, we don't want this technology to fall into the wrong hands, which implies that there are right Ooh. hands for a bomb <laughs> that destroys oxygen. Um, and uh, a line that I actually kind of like, again, it's very telling of that point of view, but uh, the response to that is what you're describing in the future is fiction. But what we're dealing with right now is reality, which I think gets to the heart of that, like, necessary evil that Godzilla is sometimes wrestling with. Like, he is a stand-in for nuclear technology, but sometimes he is the only thing to beat off the aliens from space or shit like that. Um, that sometimes, sometimes the movie deals with a nuance, sometimes they don't. Um, a lot of times they don't. Sometimes Godzilla does little funky dances uh, and has <laughs> arguments with Rodan. Also, he has a kid. He does have a kid, um, who I believe... <laughs> who looks really silly. Yeah, what's... I keep forgetting their name, and my brain wants to say, like... Uh, uh Baby Sinclair. <laughs> it's like Manila or some shit. Um, all that being said, I think uh, this idea of, like... Like, I don't know if I, I would be surprised if uh, it's referencing that specific line and that cut of the movie that probably no one wants to pretend is real. But that idea of like the now is reality, the fear of what happens next is still fiction. And then this movie is, I think that that tagline to me feels like it's uh, kind of like a, an intentional, playful irony of like um, the Godzilla is fiction in this movie, even though he is a stand in for very real events, which I I just find interesting i don't necessarily have like a thesis i just find it interesting how these things line up it is interesting yeah for sure what um what do we think about when he shoots the beam out of his face <laughs> <It's> <laughs> cool. awesome ah! it, yeah, yeah it was so tight it's pretty fucking right like, the way his face like kind of like comes apart Breaks and like open. all the detail on it that's that's one thing i want to say like it's like the monster looks fucking great and like it's like all tendon like yeah. it, it yeah. feels like a creature yeah. completely created by like viscera it's so yeah and it's so unique looking and like and i looked it up because i was like because honestly i would have told you unless i had looked it up i would have told you that some of that was practical they did make like parts of a practical version but didn't end up using them it looks amazing like there were parts like when it it's does. up close especially early on it looks like a practical effect to me like my eyes like totally bought it I, I think like, I think the thing is they're going for the rubbery look. They're not trying exactly, to make it look yeah. realistic like a, a a modern U.S. one typically does, which is a cultural difference and and special effects. Um, a lot of American things are like gotta look real, and Japan's like, yeah. well, they're fake. So <laughs> why would that's why, why would we so try cool, to make it look real? It, it was like a realistically rendered CG thing of like the rubber suits, and I've never seen yeah. that before. And it was such a cool way to go with that. It it's so good. Um, just to, to briefly return to the plot, we get to a point where none of the, 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 uh, Japan military force can do anything. Um, like they are shooting at Godzilla for a while and it, uh, nothing happens. And eventually the U S decides to send in some bombers and help. Um, and Japan like offers or like accepts that help or asks for it. But yeah, so that's when they actually start to do damage to Godzilla and it bleeds a bunch. It looks like an angel dying from Ava. And uh, this opera song starts playing as it mm -hmm. 
glows purple and yeah, it starts to shoot fire, which eventually goes atomic in heat and it like destroys these bombers. A bunch of atomic lasers come out of its back. Um, I would like to read to you the lyrics of that song. So before you do that real quick, I have to mention when I saw it in theaters, I was like, hell yeah, a Godzilla movie that wasn't made by Americans. This is going to be good. I, I, in the back, I I remember hearing about who's directing it, but I went and saw it. I just forgotten one, like that music started playing as it's blasted. Like, oh yeah, the Evangelion guy did this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like simultaneous. It's like, it is operatic. It is like tragic. Yeah. And also like, again, like I said this on about an episode of, uh, of the show where it's like, I don't mean awesome as if like it's ex- like in just a positive connotation. It is just uh, like I am awestruck in sight of this fucking thing. It inspires awe. Uh, it it is ridiculously good. Yeah, his face like breaks open, and like yeah, it's all tendon, as you said. And his tail like shoots too. Yeah, that. yeah, the tail shoots a laser later on. Uh, but the the lyrics of that opera song that are being sung is like, if I die in this world. Who will know something of me? I am lost. No one knows. There is no trace of my yearning. Good Lord. And then as it, it repeats, but a second voice comes in. So it's like, if I die in this world, uh, it does all that again. But the second voice comes in and says, but I must carry on. Nothing worse can befall. All my fears, all my tears, tell my heart there's a hole. And then uh, I wear a void. Not even hope. A downward slope is all I see. It's just like very sad and uh, tragic. The the last uh that that third verse repeats again with another voice that says, As long as breath comes from my mouth, I may yet stand the slightest chance. A shaft of light is all I need to cease the darkness killing me. It is metal as shit. <laughs> the only that sounds thing... like some Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only thing that would be more Anno than that is if the lyrics were actually about friendships and children. <laughs> that's that, that's true. It is like usually he'll play happy music over tragic things. This is, I think, a more direct approach. Which, like, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, it's just, is this about Godzilla? Like, is Godzilla sad? <laughs> like, like, and that, again, like, it really depends on what you're, you're mapping onto Godzilla as a, as a metaphor. There are parts of this movie where I'm like, is he a stand-in for rage of people who have been victims of, like, nuclear warfare as well? Especially the final shot of this movie leads to that potential reading. It's... I, th- I think every metaphor in this movie has to be pretty flexible just because it is, I think, tackling so many things at once. But I think it works. I think everything in this movie connects for me. Yeah. Have y'all heard the, about the um, the yokai in Japan that is like, it's like a mermaid and it's like, you see, it's all over the place right now because it was kind of like an obscure, because there's so many different like yokai stories, but it was like a really obscure one about some mermaid yokai that like came and it protected japan from a plague and then said it would come back uh to help everybody during future plagues and so now all of like the mascots of all the towns in japan are like wearing mermaid costumes to like Mm. aid after a plague has returned to japan i just think it's very interesting and i thought about it while watching this movie because i feel like it's talking about it's like talking about that kind of attitude before that event even happened before you know mm-hmm. covid yeah even hit japan well okay. and it was it was hard not to think about the whole covid thing to this because you're watching a government response to disaster it's like yep, exactly, that's yeah that's what it's hard not to be thinking about it in yes in our yeah present yeah time. yeah there's there's a scene I, like i think it's the first or like first or second scene between uh uh our lead and koyoko and like they're talking about like uh 
Oh yeah, they're talking about like what to like who makes decisions in, in their country. It's like, oh yeah, our president makes our decision. Who makes decisions in Japan? And it's just like a hard cut to like ten signatures on a relief bill. Um <laughs> yeah. which is I think just there's there's a lot of just really good editing in this movie for things like that. <laughs> uh yeah, what else? I mean, I this there's so much that happens in this movie because the pace is uh ridiculous that I know we won't get to every single plot beat. Um <laughs> I think I think the stuff that we kind of haven't covered is like the a lot of the side character stuff. We've talked a lot about the two main characters and their like yeah. squad that they work mm-hmm. with, but a big chunk of the movie is dedicated to these little splinter groups of like you know, getting the the like uh, Jory mentioned the kind of like stand-in prime minister. There's this whole thing. I forget what the exact circumstances are, but it's like the actual prime minister has to like bounce to survive and they have to pick well, some I, acting one. I, or I thought that he actually died in that first oh, disaster. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like when you're probably when right. Godzilla finally does the big laser beam stuff after being, I mean, provoked. Yeah. That's like the peak of the, of the actual disaster happening. A lot of people flee underground, but when they recuperate uh, after that, it's like, yeah, like three important figures are, are, uh, you know, dead at that point, And like, going down the chain of t- command it, like the buck has been passed to the minister of agriculture and it's just like it, yeah, it, yeah. You, and you see like it, it, you see it, like branch off into like little subsections of like oh i guess we're we're looking at the military people around their table right now or i guess the defense force is what they're called mm-hmm. but yeah. i uh, i really liked when they were explaining like how he got the position like the stuff that came to is like oh he's a party guy he's been with the party for a long time they kind of pushed him into that spot cuz it would look good for them yeah and then I, I like when he, he's after they have that meeting, he goes, oh, my noodles, my noodles got all soggy. I knew this position yeah. would come with hardship. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, that's so good. But then he has like a really kind of heartfelt, like, you know, he's played for laughs there, but then you really, because like, even though he does not want this job, uh-huh. like who would want to become acting and prime they, minister? And they say that, they say that like too, this? like nobody wants responsibility yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, But like, it is. You know, I forget who says it, but someone near the end of the movie says the line of like, it literally would not have been able to come together if the prime minister weren't able to convince the the French ambassador to get French <laughs> aid. And so like, it's yeah. like all of these contingencies of like, all of these people up and down the chain had to like, call in favors for it to, yeah. for their plan to be pulled off. Because that's what the, the countdown ends up. It's interesting because the countdown, uh, the ticking clock at the end of the film is not necessarily a countdown until... Um, Godzilla destroys the uh, the city, which it's kind of that, but the countdown is really until the UN and the United States uh, decide to fire nuclear weapons. So it's like, mm-hmm. that's the clock that everyone in Japan is fighting, not necessarily even Godzilla's clock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so everyone has to call in their favors to be able to get it done in under that time. Yeah, I, I think a huge strength of this movie is how collaborative it is. Um, there's a lot of people who talk about, like, ensembles in Miyazaki movies where they're like, oh, this is what he thinks of animation and, like, animating movies, even though he's, like, the, the director. And I, I don't know if I would map that onto the the teams in this movie for Anno necessarily, but, like, the way that everyone matters in the actual solution and like mm-hmm. uh because it's like someone finally figures out what um there's a scientist his name is goro who uh i they the, the it very briefly actually dips into him but like the opening movie or the opening of the movie is a shot of his boat uh it seems like he probably started the whole godzilla problem uh because he was studying radioactive stuff to try and make it like harmless because his wife died 
of um of that of like nuclear radioactive i don't know the word i'm looking for if it's like poisoning or radiation poisoning yeah um and they they make a line where it's like yeah, he probably resented everyone ever involved with with uh nuclear weapons including japan um because like they, they say like because japan let her die or something it's a very quick line but eventually they crack his data and like it just like there there is really a an energy in that room of like all right, this person has this connection, this person has this connection, because they eventually are like, yes, we can make the, like, chemical to, to freeze Godzilla. Their plan is to uh, stop his blood from cooling his radioactive heart. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I love it. Oh, I love how it wor- when it works, too, and it's like, <laughs> they don't know, and then just instantly, <laughs> Godzilla turns into ice. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not like it freezes over time. No, it's it's immediate after he stands up. Um, Yeah, I, I love that. But, like, the, the fact that that whole room is, like, yeah, this person calls, like, Germany to get, like, uh, faster processing computers or whatever. This These people call call France to get the, 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 uh, the, the time, the timer pushed back a little bit. And, like, yeah, everyone collectively chips into the the success like it takes multiple crane teams to eventually freeze him and uh there's just like a lot of crane operators died in the making not in the making of this film (laughs) but in the fiction of this film uh yeah Yeah. the the first team does get wiped out unfortunately many bothan crane operators (laughs) died to kill that monster It's, it's, I mean, for like, it's so interesting though that, like, you're saying, Joe, like, this, it's so interesting that the solution to the disaster movie boring main character problem is to make the cast even less of characters and make it as like, look, one collaborative human body is the main character. And then, like, everyone has like little bits of personality and like personal dilemmas, but like, it's more about how they all come together than about like one person running around on the ground doing shit. You know, it's just like, which I don't know. And like, not to make it too much about like the, current moment but i don't know i i felt like it was like really uh enjoyable and nice to see because i feel like that's what like so many of us are kind of uh you know i'm sure jory can like directly speak to it like being involved in a lot of the pro- the protests and stuff and it's like basically a bunch of people like all right fucking the system's not helping we're gonna like band together and figure this out ourselves you know what i mean like yeah yeah like yaguchi has like he's like a middling aide to some politician and is given uh control over a, a a response team and his first action is none of us have seniority all of us are on the same page here and it's just it just yeah. immediately becomes very fruitful collaborative effort and like they have yeah. a little bit of political power inside of like in their little bubble in the machine but it is like it is born of like none of the people we respond to are listening to us we have to just do this ourselves now yeah like you get those um like little moments before that when like uh, he comments on how nothing was done, and then someone over him is just like, "No, we did the best we could in those two hours. This is the best we could have done." Yeah, and he's just frustrated with the si- with the system, so he's like, "No, we're just we're not gonna fuck with that. We're gonna make sure everyone can be heard." Like, yeah, uh, a nice little character moment because you uh, that that I liked is the I can't remember her name, but the girl who's on the laptop a lot, and she just has like those quick lines and stuff. Uh, that, how that's her own. She, yeah. she, she <laughs> how like. She just is like stone faced through the whole movie, but when they finally take care of the problem, she's like smiling and like it's broken like that. Yeah, like, cold exterior she has. Yeah, when even though it's like a quick thing, it's really nice. When they finally succeed at the end of this movie, no one cheers. It's just a big sigh of relief. Yeah, yeah. Every, everyone yeah, just that, like yeah. thank God. It, yeah. It's like <laughs> I was waiting for them to cheer too. Yeah, but yeah. It, There's it, like two yeah. people it, it, who like <laughs> shake each other excitedly. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's like. Uh, do I spell it like? 
I, I feel bad punching the uh, American ones, but like, if we got that same thing, we'd have a five minute montage of everyone across the country, like, watching TV <laughs> and like cheering like their team they're, won the Super Bowl that we defeated the monster. You would, cut, you would cut to Paris and there'd be people parting under the Eiffel Tower. And then, and then you'd cut <laughs> to indoor and the Ewoks are yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. And like, having watched uh, all of them recently, I can like attest to that too. Like, we were just complaining, Jory, in, in our texts that like the ending of the 2014 Godzilla movie is like King of the Monsters, a hero, like on TV. <laughs> like, I, like I said to you, if I was if I wasn't in a theater, I would have just yelled "fuck you." <laughs> you can't do that. That's I mean, I, I've been in theaters that were like verbally angry sometimes it just happens <laughs> weirdly not star wars was the angriest theater i've been in i saw a, a recent horror movie called uh i believe the turning which is a movie that i would posit was just not finished but people were so fucking pissed when credits rolled in that movie because it because it wasn't finished <laughs> but see, see, i i avoid it because i like i don't like going to movies and then people making tons of noise because i want to watch the movie mm -hmm. like the uh, i'll the only time i've like been loud in a movie is i spent all of guardians of the galaxy being annoyed that i missed parts of the movie from laughing yeah and then when howard the duck popped up i just screamed what because like for months i'd been joking <laughs> when's marvel gonna let george lucas do the howard the duck movie when huh. they go let him reboot that again yeah i it, it like for me my it really depends on the movie and and the energy of like like I've, I've seen you know the last couple marvel movies opening night and like yeah people cheer and are like yeah the energy's high it's an exciting event and then like i i remember in the game specifically i saw it opening night cheered uh cried at a line about cheeseburgers because i'm a sap for kid stuff and movies and then like um i went to visit someone in california saw it again monday afternoon and it was like empty and you can feel how long the pauses are there because they know people are gonna cheer and it is bizarre to see those two viewings back to back which is which is to say i think they built that in for people like you jory who were tired of missing jokes because they were laughing yes. over the first joke chin godzilla i love godzilla i love this movie yeah it's fantastic like it's a. Uh... It's it's a rare moment when I'm watching a movie at, in a home experience and I'm like locked into the movie mm. and even more so when I'm I'm watching a movie that I've seen before in a home experience that I'm locked in and that and this did that for me. Speaking of rare moments, I I I don't I don't tend I think I'm getting the impression that I'm not the only one on the podcast, but I don't I'm not really super into disaster movies either. Um but, like, for a couple of moments, like, this one actually succeeded in, like, making me feel the fear of being in this situation, which I feel like so many of these are so kind of, like, removed from, like, they, they, they make you feel almost, like, an antagonistic or, like, just apathetic response to a lot of the people in the, in the movie, because you're just like, I'm just going like, to watch the Show me more exploding. Exactly. Whereas it's like, yeah. this, is, this is so interested in the minute by minute. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, there's not a lot of, like, time elapsing between cuts in this yeah. flick. Like, it's a lot of, like, supposedly real time yeah. stuff and, and, and less like it's either very quick or like very like not like it like the first two yeah. hours are, are constantly on and tense and then like between godzilla appearances there is like like i think a week or so or a couple days where it goes like right, kind right. of breezy yeah but yeah they, they play with that too like that's kind of why i think the joke of like when was the last time you showered kind of plays well because you don't know when you're watching it you have no clue 
Yeah. Which is, which I have to imagine is what it's intended to feel like. They're trying to be like, that's what it feels like. You have no idea how long it's been when you're doing that. Like the, like I said, the, the whole reason I, I, I don't like disaster movies are just out of my mind of why, what's like supposed to be the point of them. But like the thing, like I said, that so focus, I'm not focused on one person's experience in this disaster. Like so many movies are do it's we're worried about like this the state of japan within this mm-hmm. and they're not throwing in like uh fuck you cry at this movie scenes like a dog barking at the waters because godzilla is about to attack hawaii right like, they're not doing shit like that like yeah <laughs> oh like, no in this not movie, the dog when when they were they like when people were filing into the subway and everyone was terrified and the lights go out and everyone kind of like yells out i like actually felt that instead of being like that where's show me the monster let it fight a big moth you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it, yeah. I, I appreciated that about it and like it's uh it's something that I, I have i've realized as i've got older as to why like alien related movies like scared me more stuff and it's like i don't get scared by like horror movies or something but like with with a godzilla or something what's what's terrifying to me always and happens in my dreams a lot where i'm like nervous about it is like it's it's like goes all the way back to like the Lovecraft thing of seeing something your mind can't comprehend. Like yeah. I cannot imagine going about my day like they show people going about their day like on the free on like the highway or something, and then Godzilla's just stomping in the background. Like that's that's horrific to me. Is <laughs> I just look outside and I see like the alien spaceship, like the reveal in Independence Day or something. Like that's like one big fear. <laughs> yeah, and I, I we we talked a little bit about how like a lot of uh like nuclear history is is described as like unknowable terror we talked about that with ben on the yeah. on the 3.0 episode and i i think i kind of think this godzilla is the most horrific looking of all the designs where it's just like yeah. it's just fucked up and like i i think it reaches that that uh that like unknowable thing that you're describing yeah it's like if you like even though it doesn't go for like gritty grim dark realism it goes for that like rubber suit aesthetic and nails it it's still the thing has like is. literal googly eyes and yeah. it works somehow yeah it's just like you see that thing like uh you, before you see it you see like the the river that it's in like overflowing and boats just being pushed back and like you get like one glimpse of its eye before it cuts away and then like which is i think a very ava shot but then like eventually when it comes up and it's like it is the, the, like it, it is like kind of silly looking a lot of people will say but like it is like it something about the simplicity of just like it's just big googly eyes as it like stumbles through a space that is not big enough to accommodate it so destruction is happening is like more terrifying than like fucking 2014 Godzilla which has like human emotion in its face for some reason (laughs) fucking makes eye contact with fucking the main character and it looks sad and I'm like I don't fucking care it's like my mother was also named Martha (laughs) (laughs) No, Mo Mothra. Yeah. Mothra. So, sorry, my mother was named Mothra. <laughs> 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 <Fuck>. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciated the beginning too because I, I like it was, it was starting to get going, and I was like, literally, right as I was like, man, I wish movies like this would just fucking get to it. They dump a bucket of blood in a tunnel. And I was like, oh, okay, we're getting to it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. cool. <laughs> the, the, yeah, this movie has like no buildup. What like it's like the first thing that happens, you know, it's Godzilla. Although my my first time watching it, I was so indoctrinated to Godzilla fight stuff that like when the little funky chicken man shows up, I was like, yeah. "Oh, is that something that Godzilla's gonna fight?" No, me too. <laughs> that 
Uh, yeah, the first time I saw that, like, I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be Godzilla or not. Because it like... looks nothing like the Godzilla we've come to know and love as the cool action figure at your cousin's house. It doesn't look like that. Like, <laughs> not yet. Well, and also, like, I don't know what trailers, I haven't watched any trailers for this movie, but, like, I know when, like, they released the, like, uh, the, the design for the, the for Godzilla, they announced, like, the, the final one that you see the most, like, standing with its arms and the, and the long fucking tail. And, like, the poster is just the face, uh, like, silhouetted. But, like, I remember they released that, and everyone's like, oh, it's beady eyes. This is fucking terrifying. The teeth are all fucked up. Like, it is, it looks like something that, like, should not have happened as opposed to something designed by a, a board of, of people who are like, what's a cool-looking lizard man? Um, and I love that about it, but it is, like, yeah, I, I had never seen, you know, the, the earlier stage. Uh, so I was like, what the fuck is this when it first showed up? And uh, pleasantly surprised when it I was like oh this is just Godzilla like I was very happy when this movie was just <laughs> Godzilla and the people responding to it yeah um, and I not even to discredit the you know the the mini wrestling movies that uh Godzilla my good friend Godzilla has made um I'm a big fan <laughs> of Mothra but uh I yeah I just like there's something um th- this movie I think really gets to the core of of a lot of things by it just being Godzilla yeah, I mean, it's more like the the first one. It's more in line with, like you said, the actual like intent of the whole franchise when it started before it was gonna be a franchise. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, I don't know. I I I was in like denial about it for a long time though. It was pretty deep into the movie. Like even when there was something, like, oh, like we saw the notes and this thing's called Godzilla. I was like, oh, okay, but they're gonna think that's Godzilla. And then later they're gonna call it the other one Godzilla, right? Like, I yeah. I, I like, really <laughs> really truly thought that Godzilla was gonna show up and fight that thing. Which is which is interesting mm. because having rewatched a bunch of shit this past week, I feel like the U.S. or or at least like 2014, I feel like that movie struggles with the fact of like. If, yeah, pe- like, people are going to come into this theater with their own preconceptions of Godzilla. They're probably going to expect him to fight something. Like, be- and I think this movie does the opposite of playing to the, the conception of just, like, we're not going to make the Godzilla movies that you keep seeing. We're going to go back to the, the basics of the basics and, like, explore what that, what happens when you update that 60 fucking years later. Um, And I, I think it rules for that. I think it rules to see him grow in real time, which I think, like, my reading of it is that it's a you know, a, a metatextual commentary of how he has grown over the past 60 years. Uh, but like, this is the only movie I haven't actually, I haven't looked into the Netflix trilogy. I could be wrong, but I think this is the only movie to actually like go back to like zero on the timeline. Cause I think every other movie is at least referring back to the original movie as like, yeah, he first showed up in the 50s, and now we're doing this. Like, Oh, that's interesting. Isn't there something kind of like that here, where they're talking about the scientist having, like, cracked it before them? The scientist whose boat they find at the beginning? I had trouble tracking what the implication... Like, he, it almost yeah, seemed like it that. It seemed like he, like, was able to predict that something was happening, like, maybe growing. Because it... That, that character, that dead, <laughs> before the movie starts yeah. character, struck me as like, oh, is this a callback to a Godzilla movie I haven't seen? But uh, I, don't I, don't, I don't think so. I almost felt like he was like a non-literal reference to the main character of the first one at times. Like with the with the kind of comments about like I don't trust like the mm. the military with the knowledge that I've accrued about this thing. Like like, like Joe was explaining yeah. about the first movie that's kind of like you know where that dude is with the whole thing and like that he had that prior experience he was out on the river like the you know the character that has the whole like thing underwater with the oxygen destroyer. Like uh-huh. I kind of thought like in some ways it was maybe like kind of like pointing at that but not literally saying obviously that like that's the guy from the first movie but like uh, you know i don't know 
Yeah, I think this movie reference. Yeah, this movie references Odo Island, which is a, a location yeah. in the first movie. That's important. But yeah, like they that doctor uh, Goromaki. Uh, he yeah he discovers that like something is growing underwater. Uh, because of like the U.S. dumping radioactive stuff for sixty fucking years. So I think like yeah he had like noticed something was growing. But I think this the way this movie is like I think it's pretty clear that. Godzilla's never showed up before in this universe, this yeah. Japan. Whereas, like, every other yeah. movie that isn't made in the U.S. seems to apply, like, oh, Godzilla's back. We, he showed up in the 50s, and now he's back. And that brings up something that I've... It, I, I'm, it's good it's like I'm making fun of it, but it just kinda, I don't, it's kind of funny, I guess. Maybe I am making fun of it a little. But, like, th- there's, like, the part in the earlier in the movie where it's like, oh, it's just going to be a lot of passing the buck. And then, like, towards the end, like, these new political leaders are like, and now we will coexist with Godzilla. And the movie ends before you have any idea how the fuck you would do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, like, I love the, the implication that they make, like, like big, like, building playgrounds for Godzilla to come up on shore and just hang out in. You uh-huh. know, like... <laughs> Well, that's the, that's the thing about like I think it tracking for different metaphors because this is like well here it's here now and uh, eyes are always going to be on Japan because of it like if it ever act like they they say at the end of the movie that like that doomsday clock what like that nuke goes that timer goes back on when Godzilla moves again yeah and they're like yeah he's always like that those eyes are always going to be on Japan and they have to coexist with the the fact that Godzilla showed up that they, they have to own that this happened which is um interesting depending on like you know what you're you're reading that to to connect to and i think it's i think a little intentionally um malleable for for what it's trying to say which which i like but yeah um there's a i I think a similar thing the uh i watched uh what is it yeah godzilla 2000 a film that came out in 1999 um is uh that the ending of that movie kind of does a similar thing like he shows back up he defeats the y2k alien and like the end (laughs) and then like before he like leaves the city um they're they're like uh, the final line of that movie is godzilla exists inside every one of us which is interesting <laughs> like <laughs> it, it's like yeah like we can't maybe the real godzilla was the front <laughs> yeah like i i read that movie's like ending point as like we can't get rid of him we have to we have to adapt to the world that we we made like like godzilla is always man-made and i think a lot like sometimes the movies are like yeah he shows up and beats up aliens and it's cool and then like there's movies that are like yeah these are the grave consequences that we have to carry with us as a result of like man's reckless science which like some some movies do and and some movies uh uh don't but yeah it's um it's interesting that you you bring that up because 2014 kind of plays with that too where like they name uh ken watanabe's character in that movie sarazawa as a reference even though it's a vastly different um like point of view for for the man to have but uh essentially he's like yeah he showed up once uh in in 1954 and then like no one knows about it it was just hidden (laughs) so it's like it's not really a sequel it just like kind of references that events happened in that year as a cheeky reference yeah uh but but yeah this this movie seems to be like whole cloth like brand new origin which as, as far as i know is the only time toho has done that um yeah again i haven't seen the netflix trilogy that's that's just interesting for like the third reboot of a franchise to be the only one that goes back to zero yeah and they let ano do it <laughs> they approached him for it yeah they, they like at, came like, to he him turned it down they had to convince ano to do it <laughs> it's probably for the best right if you're good if you want to make 
Godzilla fights a bunch of monster movies, it's better to just act like the the serious one already kind of happened. Then you just go from there rather than like trying to make that kind of tone and style work with the introduction yeah. of the character too. It's the yeah, it's the band that realizes, oh, we really did something. We really spoke a lot in our first record. What we won't be able to do that exactly again. And then they change in the uh-huh. next one. Yeah, like, you see that a lot, yeah. right? Yeah. Just to shout out, like, one particular example of, like, the kind of, like, bureaucracy comedy I think we all enjoyed. I fucking loved, early in the movie, everyone moving from conference room to conference room. They're like, oh, there's some new development. Now we have to go to this other meeting's place. And everyone just gets up and walks Uh down the hallway to another similar room. Yeah, they all have to, like, yeah, there's, like, like, struggling to make, like, meeting rooms, like, booked at the right time. Um, It's, yeah, I think it's telling, too, of, like, how long it takes them to take it as seriously as it is. Which I think... A uh, place to like again, like if you're showing up in that theater, you're you're renting this somewhere. You're like, I know what Godzilla is. I know this is serious, and they're not taking it serious <laughs> yet. Um, which uh, my favorite joke <laughs> in the movie fools. might be in the first ten minutes, and during that, uh, if if not the long title that uh, Yaguchi eventually gets, <laughs> it's. In, in that first conference meeting, there's like a title card that pops up that just says abridged, and then it goes back to the end of the meeting. And I, I just find that very funny of being like, yeah, like this goes on a lot much longer than it needs to. I'm not like, Ano is like intentionally showing you a lot of shoe leather and is still saying, this is too much shoe leather. Let me jump ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's one thing I don't, I, I feel like it has to be in some way played for laughs. Well, the, like, related to that, there's one where, they attack with the helicopters and like we need missiles. The guy turns, we need missiles. She turns over, we need to use the missiles. Yep. <laughs> I love yeah. that. And then, but like the see that I I didn't pick up on it the first time because I I don't remember it at all. What it should have stuck out to me is when the guys like we're gonna need this many kiloliters of fluid to do it, and the guys like I'm gonna call all the chemical plants and plays like a badass like rock metal riff as oh, he's yeah. on the phone yeah. talking yeah. to people from like chemical plants. And then the music just stops as soon as it cuts from him talking on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> like most of the, uh, not most, uh, a, a big chunk of the action in this movie is calling in favors. <laughs> over yeah. the and it's, it's, it's wild. <laughs> and it it's, works. That's the thing. It's yeah. wild yeah. that it works. I think Anno just knows how to keep that engaging. And it's like a combination of scoring and, and cinematography and like the, the very quick snappy editing. Um, and by that point, you're either bought in or you're not also. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like, I think it speaks to like, too, like, there are scenes in Evangelion like that where it's just nerve discussing plans and like, you're getting pumped up because you're like, they're doing it. Like, they're they're putting together the pieces for this plan. I'm on board. I care about their success. Uh, the score fucking knocks. And uh, yeah, I think that's just like completely within Anno's wheelhouse. I actually think it works a lot, a lot better in this than in Evangelion. Like in Evangelion, it's, it's pretty much I'm just listening to the music while the dialogue's washing over me. Whereas in this one, I actually was like feeling more invested and paying more attention. What What do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's probably a mix of like the the actual written dialogue, the performances, and I think honestly the biggest difference is probably just the overall tone. In, mm. in that, like like we've said, there's kind of a mix in some of these scenes of like the humor of like passing on instructions from person to person while also you know examining the actual processes whereas in evangelion it's pretty much just serious you know what i mean like yeah they're just like oh well activate the at field and send in the atom and blah 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 blah. it's just like i don't yeah. know like I, I think that has to do with like also i think all the most recent evangelion thing you've watched is your least favorite <laughs> uh, but yeah. but uh, like so there's something that like that comedy that comes with mapping those sensibilities onto like a real government structure where it's like all right there's this structure up as opposed to like 
in Evangelion, there's less characters and they all have defined personalities and none of them are this. So it's not like played for comedy. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's like when you're describing the tone. But like, yeah, it's like Gendo says something or Masato says something. So like you're rooting for those characters. But like um, Ano is is a, a playing in a much bigger sandbox that I think has just a very different effect here. But it's also still like distinctly his. Like I feel like if yeah. you know him and you watch this movie, you know it's him. There, yeah, like you said, he hits all the the greatest hits in this for sure. But I will say that my one of my biggest takeaways from this movie is that "cool a slide" is the best line Anna's ever written. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's up there for sure. If not Shinji saying, "I don't know what's going on" in three point <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I love this movie. It's it's so good. I love like all of Olivano's stuff is uh is good for me and I'm a big Godzilla fan, so this is just kind of like uh, I'm just a sucker for all of it. It's it's like of the Godzilla films I've seen, it's like just barely my favorite because I do love the original so much, but like nothing touches those two for me. Yeah, I I I liked it too. I th- I thought it was good and I I feel like we've we've almost universally sung its praises. I will say there were times that it felt somewhat slow to me and i did kind of like check out for portion of the time but for the most part i i really dug it Mm -hmm. yeah i i I would say like i think a lot of movies could be a couple minutes shorter (laughs) this one i think is intentionally like showing you the links that they have to go to so i think it kind of works in its favor but i i also understand that like yeah there's there's definitely going to be moments like that for for some people how did uh I I like we we really have just been like saying things we liked about it in different readings of it, but like um jo- Jory, you know this is your your second I don't it's probably not your second watcher, is it? It is, it is. I don't I don't rewatch movies. The only movie I've rewatched a lot is The Room because I don't make good life choices. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I've seen Cats five times. Uh, God, how it's funny. Um, oh, is it? I oh. I find it. Yeah. I like the songs too. Like I don't know. I don't, like I would never call it good, but I typically have a good time showing it to people. I'm. I'm. That, that's that's usually the case for me rewatching any movies. <laughs> Want to come watch? Yeah. This. Also, like I think of like the movies that I rewatch because I genuinely just enjoy having a good time watching them. Is like Josie and the Pussycats and uh, Ghost Protocol are I think my top two. But I, I yeah, I I'm rare to rewatch movies unless they're they're special. But yeah, so this is this is my second time viewing it, and uh, I think I I've said so much about it. Um, Wheels, I I convinced you to get on this podcast because I thought that you probably would like this movie, but this is your only touchstone, as far as I know, to this director that we've been talking about for over a year. <laughs> I've seen like a few episodes of Evangelion. I watched like three episodes and then decided I got the idea. <laughs> um... <laughs> uh, I'm I'm kidding. I just didn't finish it. No, uh, yeah, it basically is. I, uh, yeah, I like the movie. I think my my main hesitation is in some of the, and I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Is has he done a lot of live action work or no? He's done four. There, I don't know. There's something about the maybe it's maybe it's a cultural thing because this often does happen to me with foreign films where I just feel like the. Uh, there's a, there's often a failure to establish a sense of place in this movie and uh, like a physical space. You know, we're in all these boardrooms and they all kind of run together in a way that I don't think is intentional. Like we mm. have that like war room boardroom that like the uh, the main squad are are hunkered down in for a decent chunk of the movie. And the way that it cuts between the characters 
I don't feel like I really get a good idea of where the camera is in space. And I feel like that's pretty important towards this type of ensemble thing. Um, but that is really my only uh, my only criticism, um, because I think other than that, I think it's pretty tightly written and I like the performances, too. Yeah, I think I'm trying to think of like the different rooms and a lot of them are pretty like non-special. Like there's just like, yeah, they're just like border rooms or, or and then like in the second half of that movie, they shift to like a different room <laughs> because the first one got destroyed. Yeah. Some of the furniture stood out to me. Maybe it's the second watch why I don't have that disconnect at all. Yeah. Not that I, I guess I don't remember having it the first time either, but um, yeah, I, I, I could see what you're what you're describing, though. But those are my thoughts. It's a good movie otherwise. Some of the furniture stood out to me in the different rooms. Like, I can, like, distinctly recall, like, oh, that, that's the one that had, like, the, the couches, and this one had, like, I don't know. Like, they, they stood out, like, a little bit from each other. I don't know what yeah. about it. Like, yeah. it was, like, I was specifically noticing some of the furniture, but, uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, grounding myself in, like, who's in what's room, and, like, I found myself remembering faces and not names. Like, because this movie throws, like, all of the names at you at once that, like, I really only held on to a couple. But I found myself, like remembering faces and always being like okay i know who this is and i know what like how they're interacting and i think yeah the fact that a plot point is that yaguchi levels the playing for field so no one's answering to anybody makes that ensemble work in a way that would have been harder to keep track of if like i was like oh i know who the prime minister is and i know like you know that the guy wearing camo is asking about military stuff like it's it's uh, like i found a decent enough job always being like all right i know exactly who's saying what and why for the most part yeah to to wheels's point though i don't have any idea if that was like all in the same building or like if they were like distances yeah. apart from I, each other i don't like, either and i i my my uh defense is that i don't care <laughs> like no I, 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 agree, I agree i'm so like i'm so like uh I, it's like the italian neorealist in me that's like put the camera in space and move it slowly <laughs> The realism of the cinematic eye. <laughs> Wheels wants Godzilla to be the bike thief. Uh, yeah, I absolutely do. That would be amazing. In a literal sense, would be fun. There are, that, that actually does remind me of like one of my favorite long tracking shots in this movie is when uh, uh, our, our two leads, Jaguchi and uh, Koyoko, are talking to each other about the, the nuking of, of Tokyo. And, yeah, and that is like one of my favorite moments, yeah, too. And, and, and yeah, like they... Um, and they they stop and like talk in place because they're like, yeah, you know, the U.S. asked me to like leave Japan because they're planning on doing this. And, um, you know, they're, they're talking about like her line is along the lines of like, I'm not going to leave again when like I'm not going to leave the country that um, my grandmother has survived two bombings and for the third time or something. And then that, that's yeah, I think that's when they cut to the uh, the, the two photographs as well. But um yeah like they stop and the camera keeps going which is just like i like that it's good <laughs> i i also am like a sucker for long shots and ano i think is known for like very quick cuts and and shots a lot of the time but i feel like whenever he does a long shot it like it it matters so much like like the the, the tracking shot that goes into the train tracks that we were talking about he also has an elevator scene in this movie, which is worth pointing out, because he tends to pretty much always have scenes in elevators. Just put those people together in, in tight quarters and show what happens. <laughs> but yeah, was there, was there any other thoughts on, on Shin Godzilla? Like, I, I can't really think of anything we missed. Um, I think I got to all my, my points that I had jotted down. I've talked about a bunch of movies that aren't this one. No thoughts had empty. 
Chris, did you have any other notes that you wanted to get to before I uh, say a bunch of other shit? No, I actually, we got to everything. Uh, hell yeah. Um, so I, I have some other, like, since this is essentially the last episode of this podcast until the other movie comes out, there are some other things I wanted to uh, address in, like, this, the the Evangelion sphere. I think we, we, we've uh, referred a couple of times to like how it's one of the most um, ridiculous merchandising properties of all time. Uh, I, I regularly get ads now for the, uh, the Tamagotchis, which you can feed angels in. Mm, me too. Um, yeah. And there's a more, and like, I think it's had another surge since it came to Netflix too, which is um, not surprising. Uh, but there's just like a lot of um, side material. I wanted to, I, I, there's a lot of um, official music albums, which I'm um a big fan of uh uh there's like some symphonies they did in in like 97 and 2014 they put out like a jazz club record of like jazz versions of uh a lot of the music from the show in 2017 there was a a couple events for a symphony that played music from this movie mixed with music from evangelion i don't know why outside of it's just that guy did it but it was just like that's cool that's cool to listen to sometimes it's like the Godzilla themes mixed up with like Evangelion fighting themes and like uh, Shirosuke is just great at everything he does. Uh, but I also, I think it's really important to talk about 1997 album called Eva Vox, which is a hip hop R and B uh, remix album, um, which is notorious for having rap verses that no one likes. That sounds like a wild thing for there to be. It is. It is a wild thing. I mean, it, that's like space jam. Merch. It kind of, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it is bizarre that like, like, I think it's bizarre in general that this franchise, which is so dark and grim 90% of the time and about childhood trauma among like other things is the most successful merchandising thing. I think maybe in Japan other than like Totoro, but like Miyazaki puts a cap on how much merchandise Ghibli can make. So uh, I don't know if that exists for, for, for Evangelion and the fact that like Evangelion merch basically saved Gynex in the nineties as well. I don't know. Yeah, Eva Vox is a uh, wild thing. It's, it's probably the, like, wildest thing to exist other than, like, maybe some, some themed drinks at uh, some Evangelion-themed bars. That's also strange. Uh, have you seen the... Just a quick aside. Did you ever see the menu for the Evangelion restaurant? Uh, no, I, I didn't. What's, what's up with that? They just have, like, a lot of food that looks like like things. Like, there's a... I remember seeing, like, a roll that had, like, Ramiel's, like, mask and stuff like that. That's cool. And stuff. It's just, like, interesting. Like, that they have stuff shaped like uh, (laughs) the angels and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's For a text that is so bleak, it is is interesting how they're, like, mining the visuals for for cute aesthetics and stuff. It is uh, bizarre how that happens. Um... But Evangelion's, like, I think, I, w- I wouldn't say unique in that. Like, there's other examples of that, including, like, the evolution of Godzilla over time, I think, is a similar thing of just, like, being divorced from the initial context. Or, like, memes about Evangelion stuff that is, like, harrowing in context. Another thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, I just mentioned Miyazaki a minute ago, but I finally watched uh, his most recent film, The Wind Rises, in which uh, Hideki Anno plays the main character. And uh, I just want to say that he gives an incredible fucking performance. It's one of the best uh, voice performances I've heard ever, probably. And for it to come from Anno in a movie that is, uh, I think, so personal about Miyazaki's career. And they've been friends uh, forever um, since, you know, Anno 
animated on Nausicaa. Uh, I just wanted to point out, uh, yeah, the Wind Rises rules and Anno rules in it. If um you haven't seen it or you haven't seen the the Japanese dub, um, yeah, Jory, you are posting now Ava food items in the chat. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I do. I do want. <laughs> Very silly. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of like Disney World shit. But like, but yeah, like, th- yeah. there are no Disney Disney movies in which anything that bleak or apocalyptic happens. So it's like a weird disconnect. I don't know. Like that's the thing that Totoro makes. Yeah, sense. Bleak things happen in Disney movies. It's just you got to read between the lines a well, little bit. Well, okay, great, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like I don't know. They they they. Sh- yeah, I'm they, kidding. Yeah. They they shy away from that. You don't see merchandise for the incinerator from Toy Story Three. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the video where uh, someone makes a re-edit of the movie to make it end right there. like as they're falling in the furnace and then shows it to their mom and says that this is what Toy Story oh does? My God. Like, yeah, it ends there. And she's like, she's like, it's a very good yeah, movie. It's just like a hard cut. It's funny. But yeah, uh, Anno is great in The Wind Rises. Um, I haven't seen the Miyazaki documentary that he is like in a bunch. Um, it was Kingdom of Dreams, I think it's called. Um, I just... I'll get around to it eventually. Uh, but uh, the only other thing I wanted to talk about before we go is, uh, Chris, um, I know that you watched at least one of uh, Anno's other live action movies. Uh, but uh, I guess I'm just, yeah, I wanted to, you know, hear your thoughts on what you've seen and uh, talk about that before we go. Yeah, I, I made an effort to, to watch uh, his live action catalog. I didn't make it very far. Uh, I watched Love and Pop, and I watched the first 45 minutes of Ritual. <laughs> um, so uh, my ranking would probably be Shin Godzilla, or no, sorry, 2.0. Well, I don't know. Somewhere in the 2.0 and, and Shin Godzilla are like up at the top somewhere. Then Love and Pop, then the first 45 minutes of Ritual, and then <laughs> uh, uh, the Rebuild 1 and 3 are tied because I didn't like either of them. Um, but love, love and pop was really interesting because like some of it really felt like, even though like, like the subject matter is not at all the same, uh, you, you can kind of feel like at times it was like a live action adaptation of certain ideas and scenes from Evangelion. Like, um, just like, like you said, like the editing style, uh, was, was really similar. Yeah. There's like shots that he'll just recreate where it's like, there's, there's things he'll, he'll put in Evangelion of like, yeah, the. The, the hypothetical camera seems to exist inside of an elevator door. So, like, the screen is perfectly split in half between, you know, these two uh, different areas. And, like, he'll just recreate that with, like, really tiny cameras. And it's, like, wild to see him just go full animator's brain for uh, a live action. Which I'm always fascinated to see animators go into live action. It's why I, I talk about uh, Brad Bird so much. Yeah, it it very much feels like an unconventional live action movie for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was cool. Some someday I will finish Ritual and I also really want to watch Cutie Honey, but uh yeah, it just didn't happen this week. But yeah, my my ranking is like Ritual up top, number 1. 2 is End of Ava. Uh and then 2.0 Shin Godzilla, uh then Cutie Honey and then Love and Pop and then uh 3.0 is a little bit above uh 1.0 um and i like those movies more than you i'm not mi- saying mean things about them but they are at the bottom by default <laughs> but yeah that's as of now that's that's it you know if I, I i would i would go so far as to say if uh ritual or love and pop 
uh, or Cutie Honey ever get official U.S. releases, I would like to come back and talk about them in full. Um, and obviously we'll be back whenever the final Ava movie comes out. But uh, I think that's I think that's essentially a uh, a wrap on the on Nervous Rex for now, which is uh, kind of wild to think about. <laughs> I now have no podcasts. That's also wild to think about. I'll go down to two. You want to talk about King of the Hill soon, Chris? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, just just hire Chris as like a full time co host. That way, you can just make the show regularly. <laughs> I'll I will be your Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, it will you do Shin Ultraman when that happens? Oh yeah, I, I, would... I really I because if you do, I, I'm going to see that movie as soon as I can, and I want to talk about it because. As soon as I heard that that movie's being made, I I decided I'd have to see it immediately. Yeah, I uh, I, I forgot to mention that one. That one's also eventually on the slate, I suppose. Um, I have until then to get really into Ultraman, uh, like I have for Godzilla for this episode. Um, but yeah, uh, Ultraman seems so fucking cool. Just from a, an outside perspective, Ultraman seems so fucking cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I think. I, I don't put it on my list, but I, I do like um Anno's uh like thirty minute fan Ultraman film he made and uh but before he made any anything else. And uh in in which he plays Ultraman. Because uh, I think, you know, we, we talk about a lot of bleak media on this show sometimes. It's um it's important to remember that this man's a huge fucking nerd. Uh <laughs> and um it, it really shines in, in some things more than others. Um Cutie Honey is kind of, I think, the brightest spot of that. If you're looking for just like, I just want to see him uh, play with his favorite toys, but in a big budget movie. Because uh, even like Godzilla doesn't really do that. Um, I think Ult- Ultraman might. Hard to say. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm very interested in eventually seeing that movie. But yeah, I think that's it. Um, so this is the part where I thank uh, our, our, our lovely guests for joining us and, and everyone for listening and ask uh, people to plug their stuff um and i'm just gonna let you decide amongst yourselves who goes first jory uh should i go i can go <laughs> i think chris, i think I'm chris Niels. said jory and then like yeah huh? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, didn't, for jory. I didn't hear it <laughs> so come back to me i'll figure it out <laughs> okay wheels. uh i'm wheels uh still Believe as if by wizardry. Despite everything, <laughs> um, you're still wheels. Despite everything, I'm still wheels. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Singular Wheels, and you can also find uh, I with Joe. I make a podcast every week called Got It Memorized. We're currently talking about Final Fantasy X, but we've also talked about The World Ends with You and the entirety of the Kingdom Hearts franchise. You can also find me on Very Random Encounters, where some friends and I play tabletop role playing games and randomly determine as much as is possible to create heartwarming and funny stories that show is called very random encounters you can start with any uh seasons episode one we have short digestible seasons you can start in any order we just finished a star wars one hell yeah uh jory did you figure it out yeah (laughs) great you can you can find me at twitter no i'm jory um there's uh i i have other podcasts like the one i do with joe about one piece that's every other week Oh yeah, that's true. Now we do that every other week. Now, <laughs> Jesus, it's where uh, you know 
you, you think you get an, an escape from uh, real life with media, but just everywhere you find out that media is, is real life, apparently. Turns out art's uh, political. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a, my, my King of the Hill podcast, which I've, I'm, I'm going to start getting that soon because I need to. And then um, there's a new episode out for my wrestling podcast uh, where we talk about Green. the final WCW pay-per-view in which I defend, in which I made Cameron feel bad because he went on about how cool Lance Storm is. And I was like, well, he fucked over my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that uh, that just came out a couple days ago. I don't know when this, this episode is going to be out, I assume soonish but i was yeah, listening to um, that podcast today i haven't got to that part yet so i'm looking forward to that but <laughs> i did enjoy you I, singing the praises and continuing to preach for uh jason jet versus Wee as a hoot of a time of a wrestling <laughs> match that match is great it was the best part of the card honestly. yeah it's awesome <laughs> and like every uh, normal normal humans right now if you're listening to me and you don't know wrestling please google this man Wee and look at his hair it's just like you gotta see how do it. i sp- how do i spell it K W E E, and then W E E. I I meant to ask Chris if uh, his time in Kaiju Big Battle influenced his. Oh like, my God. Taking in of Godzilla. <laughs> I forgot. I, that's so funny. I only forget that I did that. If I'm being honest, so that I would have made that connection. But that's true. Yeah, I have dressed up like big kaiju monsters and smashed fake buildings in a ring. It was very fun. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, this, I was. I, this hair I did sucks. Three matches. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, but yeah, for Kaiju Big Battle, let's see. The first match, I was a giant toucan monster. Then I was a giant waffle. And then I was the American I Beetle. I saw the waffle picture. Yeah, yeah. The waffle is like the, the classic. But there were, yeah, there were some other ones too. It was really funny because like the promoter was like gassing me. He's like, you are the best American Beetle we've ever had. I wish I could take you on the road. It's like, thanks, dude. Like, Just like <laughs> it, getting like a trophy to put on the man. I was like, the best American Beetle they've ever had. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, a lot of the Beatles that people talk about are British, but um, God damn it, fuck uh, you! <laughs> I, I, I was gonna joke that I don't care about wrestling unless people are in rubber suits, but um, beat me there. <laughs> I'm just looking at Queewee's hair. What the fuck? Anyway, yeah, now that's in my brain. The funny thing is, if it were just a little bit longer and it could complete the full twist, <laughs> like then it would be at least. Uh, it would at least like complete the rotation yeah. that is implied. It's you know? kind of a Tim Burton character. Yeah. He's, oh my he's god. Super yeah. Saiyan Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like. I like as I scroll down though. There's like pictures of it like thinning and getting shorter, and it's just like depressing. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, the Queen Widow's peak. peak. <laughs> See, this is like what what like wrestling discourse is missing from non wrestling fans. We were never gonna get to Queen Widow's peak. We needed help. <laughs> what you need is people who can't take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was gonna say like how narrow have we cast it at this point? Queen um, <laughs> Widow is pretty fucking narrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris, uh, what, yeah. what 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 do you have to plug currently? What you got? Well. Now that I have no podcast, pretty much nothing. I mean, I'm up to my eyeballs in, like, comic book writing, but you're not going to see that for a long time. I guess the next thing you'll probably see from me is, like, bad tweets and, like, Kat and I are running a computer-controlled JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Eyes of Heaven tournament. Um, 
<laughs> oh hell yeah! That will be streaming on, probably on the old Alien Happy Hour channel. It'll be the first stream in the HHH graveyard. Um, but uh, yeah, so that would be fun. And otherwise, all I really know is that uh, Godzilla's inside all of us, and mm-hmm. um, the 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 one set of giant footprints in the sand was when Godzilla carried you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, those are, those are great stingers. It's a shame I still am going to plug my stuff after it. You can find me on social media at Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J-O. Uh, as the time of recording, uh, I'm planning a charity stream on the 15th of August, uh, playing Hive Swap Blind with my friend Andrew, uh, who's also never played it. Uh, I'm just going to kind of break out into the, the Homestuck uh, uh, scene now, out of nowhere. Uh, because we played Undertale and we played Deltarune, and the next step is to play the the Homestuck games for for charity. So I'll be raising money for Trans Lifeline uh, August fifteenth around one p.m. Eastern. Uh, Twitch.tv slash The Orange Groves. How long till y'all start j- just start streaming FNAF? It feels like teleologically that's where things are <laughs> yeah. going. Well, that, no, that is sure. the center of all media. Is is that unfortunately? <laughs> that's the thing. Like I Undertale and Deltarune. I'm like yeah. You know, those games are, are easy, <laughs> ostensibly. Um, I'm not, like, good at FNAF. I know a lot about it, unfortunately. But I don't, um, I'm not good at the games. So I uh, I might fit it into the next Extra Life if, if uh, we do an Extra Life project this year. But uh, all that being said, twitch.tv slash the orange goes for that. Uh, my other podcasts have already been plugged on this show uh, between my, my two co-hosts being here. Uh, but got it memorized. Uh, we are watching One Piece. They're on the same network as this uh, this show, uh, the Orange Ghost Podcast Network. Um, also, the same day that this comes out, a new show will be launching on the network, uh, Dead Letter Society, a show where uh, Marn oh, yeah. of the Argonauts will be talking about horror fiction. Uh, I love that pilot. I'm so excited to hear more from them. Uh, they're doing like a pilot season with rotating guests, and then um, I believe they're after after that's over, they're gonna uh dig into uh, a regular co-host all the time. Um, but uh, yeah, that's you know gonna be filling uh this time slot pretty much immediately. It's gonna be every other Thursday, so go check that out. Um, uh, Cherryton Pod is rebranding into uh just an anime show that covers different shows. So uh, and uh, between that and we are watching One Piece, there is um. Uh, other anime being covered on the network. Um, I hope that we have in some way uh, brought Ava fans or, or to, to new things that Anna has made, like Gunbuster or uh, his live-action movies, or I hope that we've uh, introduced people who had never seen Ava into, um, into it and all the things that I like about it. Uh, it's been very fun to revisit all of it and share it with my good friend Chris and all of the guests we've had. Uh, I'm really proud of the show that we made, Chris. Me too. It's uh, it's it's been it's been cool because after literally every single one, I'm like, I don't know, are people gonna like that? And then everyone in the Discord is like, we love that you talked for three hours. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after after all the like Godzilla watching I did and how it's like the only thing in my brain, I was like, I'm worried I'm gonna talk for like four hours today. But <laughs> got the, I, I was able to to just hit the important stuff and uh, keep it at this. this uh, crisp sub two, uh, personal best. Um, uh, but yeah, um, I'm glad that we did this movie and tacked it on. And, uh, Chris, I look forward to eventually getting texts from you when you watch, uh, the rest the, the, of the ritual. The other 45 minutes of ritual. Yeah. And, uh, and, and cutie honey, which is, uh, a, a brief, uh, 90, 90 minutes. Um, I believe as of the time we were recording, that movie is just up on YouTube. 
uh, English dubbed. Um, don't know if it's going to be there forever. That's kind of why I didn't fit it into the schedule. I didn't want to like <laughs> eventually have that episode come out and people not be able to watch that movie. Um, but yeah, uh, go check it out if it's still there. And uh, yeah, I I look forward to eventually coming back to this feed to talk about the final Evangelion movie. That's going to be a wild thing when that uh, actually exists. I'm sure it will bring people together, much like Kingdom Hearts 3 did. Yes. Um, yeah, all that being said, I think um, I think that's it. I think, uh, yeah, Godzilla is, is, is inside all of us, and um, uh, I think Godzilla <laughs> will give us fan service next time. <laughs> <laughs> Wheels, that's a joke about how Wait, the episode we- ends in, in Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, c- can we all do our best Godzilla scream impression? Oh my we don't, God. I guess I don't have to put you all on the spot. But. If everyone else says yes, I'll do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Chris and Jory, how do you feel? I, I, will, I, will, I will suck it up and do it because it's funny. <laughs> I, I can attempt to. This will this will be probably as hard to listen to as that like three year old my brother my brother and me episode about Donald Duck. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we're at the end. We're at the tail yeah. end. You know. We're at the. Oh wait, we didn't talk about the final shot of the movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Gonna... So Donald Duck. Uh... Oh, that shot is weird. Yeah. <laughs> There's like zombies crawling. Yeah. The final shot of the movie is this. Fr- is the fr- we cut to the frozen corpse of Godzilla and it like hands up his tail and it's just like yeah a bunch of like corpses coming out of it like humanoid bipedal figures crawling out of the corpse but like not moving yeah like they're they're frozen in it like he's made out of dead bodies essentially uh it is wild it it, it's a hard cut to black after that so it's like kind of open-ended on what you want to read into it that's uh I that's kind of why I I had like maybe there's a reading of this movie where he is like the the rage of of victims of of uh of people who have have died to nuclear warfare. Um but yeah, that's wild that I that that's the one thing that I forgot to bring up was how uh crazy the final shot of the movie is. Did it yeah, what what was did anyone else have thoughts on it before we actually do our screaming? I I I think we'll be able to sum up our feelings on that with the scream. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, that was yeah. That was the the that's the teaser that plays after the 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 post credits is uh, us talking about the final shot of the movie. Um, who wants to go first? Oh wait, are we not talking at the same time? We have to expose our Godzilla screams. Uh, yeah, we can do it at the same <laughs> okay, time. All right, I like that let's idea. pull up. Time dot is fuck. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> this is gonna suck. My mom just came home too, so she might hear this. And <laughs> One time when I was recording, uh, we are my my brother's grandma came over and asked my mom, "Why is he swearing so much?" <laughs> <laughs> Jory, He's playing video games. <laughs> Jory, if it makes you feel better, I'll record this and send it to my mom. <laughs> that's even worse no context just 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 a, just a voice memo okay she'll I, know the iconic godzilla screen i i have time dot is up i'm gonna probably step away from my microphone when i do probably it i should uh this is stupid i'm really glad that we're doing it i'm like nervous but it's great well that's that's the best way to it's end great. nervous it's the name of the yeah. show yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah true this is people. This is like people who think they can do Chewbacca noises. I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like that's the, that's the thing. It's like I totally know my limits. Like when Jory was talking about like uh, Citizen Hank, I almost like came in with a Bobby Hill impression. I was like, "Don't do it, Chris. You can't. 
you can't do it. <laughs> oh, I do not know my limits. I'll do any impression even if it sucks shit. I think you all are stalling. I'm going to call a okay. time. We're all on time that okay. is. We're doing it at 40 seconds. Okay. There's no turning. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> shit. <clears throat> Mine wasn't we, very know, long because I immediately started laughing at you all. <laughs> I had to like adjust See, mine. My throat gave out. My, mine came out so wrong, and then I had to fix it. <laughs> um, the, I, the thing I love about this group is that like we all actually like are decent to each other. And never do this, but it would be really funny if we all set us all up so just like one person ended up <laughs> just doing the Godzilla oh. screen. Like, no, we, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to isolate all of those on editing and stuff. Um, you know how the um, the Cowboy Bebop Spikes Beagle actor Steve Bloom has the bang, uh, like, like uh, audio file tattooed on him? Matching tattoos no? of, of... Oh, you don't? Oh, well, this is going to make the joke a little stranger, <laughs> but... Yeah, he has, like, the audio, like, the waveform or whatever of him saying bang as Spike's last line tattooed on him, and so I was gonna say that I would get my Godzilla scream tattooed on me as a waveform. <laughs> yeah, it's just peaking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and on that wonderful note, I, I think that was the fan service we've been promising this whole time. <laughs> 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 Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.